Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 108 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of Thyroid Nation and co-founder of ThyroidHealing.Yoga. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz and MendingMedicine.com. Today we are talking with board-certified naturopathic doctor, Fiona McCulloch, about polycystic ovary syndrome and thyroid health, PCOS. It's a really big topic. Uh, we haven't covered it on the show, and so Tiffany and I are really, really excited to talk to her. Plus, uh, Dr. McCulloch and I have um, been chatting for a couple years now, and we, I haven't had her on the show. We've been just you know, trying to connect, and so it's really exciting to have her. This is very exciting. It's an awesome topic, and like you said, we don't, we, we don't, we don't talk about it. I mean, it gets touched on, but it never really gets discussed, and it's, and it's a big deal. And it looks like she is already with us. So let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Good morning. Can you hear us okay? Oh, yes, I can hear you perfectly. How, uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah. You are loud and clear. Yes, beautiful. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I've been uh, admiring your show for a while, and I know we've been trying to get um, in touch, and I'm just super excited to be able to, to be on today. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and you're calling from Canada, right? Yes, I am, Toronto, Canada. Love it. Haven't ever been, and it's on my list, so I'll get there someday, and I'll call you when I do. (laughs) Please do. It's a great city. I think you'll love it. What's the weather like there today? So it's beautiful. It's really nice and warm and sunny Um, in uh, Celsius. I'm not too good with the Fahrenheit, but I think it's around 24 Celsius, which is really nice and warm. It's like a perfect day. Oh, wow. That's yeah, what are, you, what are you at today, Tiff? We're, we've been pretty wonderful, like 75, 80, sunny every day. It's been beautiful. But what are you at, Tiff? Tiffany's in uh, oh. Joshua Tree, California. You a little bit hotter? Oh, well, it is. It is. It's, we're running about 95 to 98 degrees, and currently with the monsoon season, we get these fabulous, crazy rainstorms that come. You can see these big black curtains coming at you. <laughs> And then they're gone, and the sky is clear. But it's running at pretty high humidity right now, which is making it really unbearable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that sounds really, really hot. <laughs> it is really hot. But I, it sounds silly, but I'm perspiring, so it's, it's actually a really good thing. You know, it's a good, <laughs> good natural yeah, detox. detox. For, <laughs> yeah. For this day. I'm, I keep trying to stay focused on the silver lining, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm sweating. This is supposed to be good for me. We're good here. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Stay positive, right? I got to, got to. Well, Dr. McCulloch, that is how you say it, correct? Yeah, absolutely, Dr. McCulloch. Okay. Um, McCullough. It's actually okay. Scottish, so you're supposed to say Dr. McCulloch, but nobody says that, so. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> A wee bit Scottish, are you? <laughs> yes, my parents are Scottish. So. I, I spent... Uh, two and a half, almost three weeks with uh, my best friend in Dunfermline. And it was the greatest time I have ever had, although it was kind of funny because I took all this really cold, preparing for freezing and, and rain and the whole nine yards. And 
And uh, it turns out that it was, they had a heat wave, so it was like 80-some degrees, not a drop of rain the whole time I was there. And everybody wow. was so happy. I had a lovely time, but I couldn't understand a word anybody said <laughs> the whole <laughs> no. time I was there. <laughs> it's it was pretty amazing. intense if you go outside of uh, the major cities. The accent, it's, it's hard to understand. It's very, very thick, yes. And they're speaking yes. English, which is even funnier. I know. <laughs> You're like, uh. <laughs> Can't imagine being, having Hashi brain. Can you imagine <gasps> having a Hashi brain moment over there? You'd be like, uh, uh. I, I think I'm in an English speaking country. <laughs> Where am I? Oh, it's like, my. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. All right. Now well, we get to the meat and potatoes here. Let's do this. Let's talk about your story because I believe that uh, you suffered with PCOS. Um, isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, basically, uh, when PCOS is a condition that you have throughout your whole life, so it's related to genetics. And um, for example, my sister also has PCOS. And um, basically, I didn't know I had it for a really long time. So I went up and until I was about 32. I'm 42 now, and so I've known I've had it for about 10 years. But up until then, I had all of the symptoms of it. Um, but doctors often don't recognize it in women who they expect a certain look to PCOS. That, um, and if they don't see that look, they tend to miss it, even if you have all of the symptoms. So I basically had very, very irregular periods, very far apart, quite severe acne, and um, always gained weight on my stomach specifically. And uh, that went on for a long, long time, you know, and of course I went to, when I was a young woman, I went to the dermatologists and nobody ever really put that together that that's what it was. And um, after I became a naturopath and I started working with hormones, I realized, you know, that this was what it was and I got all the right testing and clearly, you know, I'd had it um, and I'd had it all along. So Right now, I mean, my symptoms are very good. Like, I, I really have very few of the symptoms. I've mostly reversed the condition, but I know it's still there. Um, if I, you know, go back to the ways of eating that are not optimal for the condition, it, I know it's it's there, and I'm more at risk for a lot of the chronic um, conditions. So I wrote a book about PCOS, which is called Eight Steps to Reverse Your PCOS, and I was just amazed at the response. You know, thousands and thousands of women um, are suffering, you know, um, in the, the U.S., actually millions. Uh, it's the most common hormonal condition in women, and I just was amazed at how many women reached out to me after reading the book and you know, just really felt supported by having having the information. So, yeah, I've been basically on a mission to spread the word about PCOS. Oh, there's a that's an initial flower field right there. I mean, it's it's. Um, Dan and I were talking about it. So it seems almost crazy that that we've never really, you know, people will touch on the subject but never really go in depth to it. So you say it's genetic and it's there since the beginning. So I yep. would imagine when young girls go into puberty, okay, that, uh, you know, so much gets chalked off onto, oh, you know, her cycle's just getting started. And I hate to jump back to early age, but, but anything uh, parents, moms, dads should look for, you know, uh, of problems being genetic. I mean, I would imagine the earlier you catch something, uh, the better off it is. Yeah, it's. 
it's it's difficult to see it in children. So, but they have found differences in children who who later go on to develop PCOS with um, a hormone called adiponectin, which is actually a hormone secreted by our fat cells. And um, uh, children who develop PCOS, they have low levels of this. And this is a, a hormone that's beneficial for our metabolism. Um, so, but you can't often see it very much in children. Sometimes you'll see girls will gain weight around their stomachs specifically, but it's very difficult to tell in children. And the reason for that is um, as children go through puberty, they, girls go through a, a natural PCOS-like transition that's very normal actually and but what should happen is that as that transition happens they then pass through it and they start to get regular periods and that is normal but for women with PCOS they sort of stay in that state where the the first part of puberty actually testosterone becomes the dominant hormone compared to estrogen and that's a PCOS like condition where testosterone is predominant and so you know you'll see a lot of the times girls get you know, they get really strong. They're good at sports. Uh, they get to start to get a lot of acne. Um, they, the reason for this happening is that that's when our adrenal glands become active. It's called adrenarch. And um, the reason for that is actually to increase cortisol and allow us to gain weight so that we can reproduce. Um, and so it, it, there's a natural transition there that happens in all girls. But in PCOS, it's like it never goes past that point, and estrogen doesn't become predominant over testosterone, and you sort of stay like that. So um, it's difficult to tell in teenagers until a couple of years after they've, they've had their period. Now, if that continues on past a couple of years, that's looking, starting to look a little bit suspicious. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, very interesting. Sorry about that. I was not in front of my microphone. I was just over here, you know, listening and not paying attention. Sorry. Um, okay, yeah. let me just let me just take a break really quick. Usually we, we cover this at the very beginning, and Tiff usually asks the question, and so I'm going to because I, I jumped in and asked about PCOS. Could you give us a little bit about you, a little bit of history, you know, how you got to be a naturopathic doctor and um, that kind of thing? We want to we wanna, we wanna learn a little bit about you. Oh, sure. So, yeah, so I've always been interested in science and, and nutrition and medicine. Um, and I did a science uh, undergrad science degree in molecular biology and genetics. And um, But I was always really interested in nutrition. And as a teenager, I had a lot of issues with my digestion. And, um, of course, I was never really able to get any resolution for that. It was functional issues, you know, that, that you would categorize sort of as IBS. Um, and then I went to a naturopath, and they basically resolved those issues for me in one visit. And so I was like, wow, this, is, this makes sense, you know, because they were giving me, you know, enzymes and probiotics and things that really restored my GI health. And um, so I, I just became very interested in that sort of approach. And so when it came time to apply for medical school, um, I applied to the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. And, you know, I went through the program there. I really enjoyed it. Um, I became interested in hormones, um, you know, of course, with my own um, condition and um, started to, when I started my practice, I started treating a lot of different hormonal problems, infertility, thyroid, um, and PCOS. And, and then, you know, I just, I, I started writing articles about it. Um, I own a clinic in Toronto, which is called White Lotus Integrative Medicine. So we're a multi-practitioner clinic. And um, we, you know, we treat the majority of what we treat is women's health, thyroid health, and hormone health. Um, so we see a lot of patients 
Um, we're very busy and we focus a lot on that. And I really love research. I love writing. I love discovering new information. So I'm always, um, you know, writing articles and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of how um, I came to write the book, just out of that, that curiosity to, to discover new things and share information. And so, yeah, so that's basically my uh, story of, of uh, doing what I do. And I, I really just love my job and I love um, share, being able to share information with people. Did you grow up in Canada, born and raised? Yep, born and raised in Toronto. Wow, awesome. that's cool. Yeah, right? Very cool. <laughs> Homegrown. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm just I'm just dying to know. We hear PCOS all the time and just kind of, you know, people throwing around the, you know, uh, the abbreviation and everything. But for the listeners, what is PCOS exactly and, and symptoms to look for? Sure. Um, so it's, it stands for polycystic ovary syndrome, and there's actually a little bit of controversy about calling it that because the cysts are not really very important when you look at the, the condition itself. For example, a lot of women who have PCOS, they don't have cystic ovaries at all. Um, the cysts are actually just uh, follicles, which house the eggs that haven't fully developed. But you'll see that the cysts may be present in some and not in other women. All And going back to the teenagers, all a lot of teenage girls have PCOS-like ovaries but don't end up getting PCOS. So it's some, And then as women get older with PCOS, they're less likely to have the cysts as well. So although the cysts are part of the condition and, you know, they are something that many women do have and some don't, um, the condition is actually a hormone in, uh, dysregulation. And it, it involves a very some very important um, characteristics. The first and most important characteristic is that there's androgen excess. So excess testosterone-like hormones, um, there's many different kinds of androgens. Um, but what, what you'll see there is that there's some symptoms that, that women have that are common. And those can include things like, for example, acne, um, particularly if it's past the teenage years, around, around the jawline. Um, there's um, hair growth on the face, which is called hirsutism. Um, that's also fairly common in PCOS. Um, typically on the chin, um, you'll see it more. Um, it's been estimated that around 90% of women who have this hirsutism have PCOS. There are some women who don't have the hirsutism, though. Um, the other characteristic uh, that's related to the androgens would be hair loss and you know, here's where we see a lot of, there's some commonalities with thyroid, but the hair loss is um, thinning and it's, it tends to be behind the front hairline. Um, and this is called androgenic alopecia. So this is a hair loss related to excess testosterone. Um, the other component of PCOS that's very common is metabolic uh, health conditions. So typically there's insulin resistance, and this is extremely common in PCOS. Even in the lean women who have PCOS, there are markers of insulin resistance that you'll see. And um, even the lean women will tend to gain weight right around their stomach specifically, as opposed to women who don't have PCOS will tend to gain more on the hips and thighs. Um, there's an increased um, likelihood of developing diabetes and cardiovascular disease as they get older. It's very, very hard to lose weight for women with PCOS. So um, they may try the same kinds of programs that other women are trying, and they're not getting the same results. Um, there's just insulin and leptin resistance that's there right from the get-go. 
Um, the other things that uh, it can cause um, are uh, difficulty with conceiving. And because um, part of the, the PCOS condition with the high testosterone causes uh, the, the eggs to not release on time and the eggs kind of stall within the ovary, the periods will be far apart. So less, uh, so longer than 30 days apart, typically, you know, um, 35 days or longer. And um, some women don't have periods at all. Um, that tends to get better with age. Um, but because of that, there's less um, ovulations. And so it's difficult to conceive. And it also affects the egg quality. There's often a lot of inflammation in PCOS. So you'll see... Um, metabolic inflammation or inflammatory symptoms like headaches, TMJ, um, Hashimoto's is increased in PCOS quite significantly. So any kind of inflammatory disorder, you'll see that too. And then going along with all of this, like mood um, disorders are much more common, depression, anxiety. Um, having all these symptoms, as you can imagine, is very stressful. But also there's a, there's, um, a biological reason for the depression and anxiety, which might be related to hormonal imbalances and inflammation as well. Right. Okay, we have to stop for just a second. Okay, Tiff, no laughing or teasing me. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going through <laughs> Wait, and I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening and I'm thinking, okay, she just hit on like the majority of like, you know, my issues. And I don't ever think I've ever considered PCOS. I don't have the uh, hirsutism or however you say it, the hair, you know, issues or unwanted hair or whatever. I mean, I've always had thin, brittle hair. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm only saying this because, you know, I just have never considered it. So surely there's people out there yeah. that could be like me. Um, pelvic pain, mm, not really. Um, but really, you know, infertility, I have two kids and um, I never really, you know, uh, had any issues, you know, getting pregnant. So that never really crossed my mind. And I always just consider it, when when you hear PCOS, you just automatically think um, infertility, and so I never yep. considered anything else. Um, but really, the rest of it, I pretty much have. <laughs> so, wow! Right? Yeah, I can tell you the number of people that um, that that happens with because it's there's just not enough information about it. it. It's it's thought of as a fertility condition, unfortunately, because the risks of PCOS are far more than fertility. Like it's, it's really, um, and it gets, you know, these are, these are serious conditions like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, you know, um, really important, you know, that women know about it if they have it, but yeah, like characteristics of it, like pelvic pain, not so much. Doesn't, most women with PCOS don't really have like cystic pain or anything like that. You know, um, they just tend to, it's really the hormonal imbalances. That's so central. So That's those amazing. delayed, yeah, like those long times in between the, the periods. Um, to get a diagnosis of PCOS, you have to have two of three criteria. And one is any kind of sign of androgen excess. So that could be um, the acne, the hirsutism, or the mm-hmm. hair loss in that pattern. Um, and it, even if uh, even if you had it in the past as an adult, that would be significant because so acne will improve in PCOS women as they get older. Um, and then the, the long cycles, so cycles longer than 28 days, even if that was also as an adult in the past, because that does also resolve because testosterone reduces in women as they get older. And so some of these symptoms kind of go away. And I then, did used to yeah, have uh, a longer cycle. Um, I don't anymore, but I did. So I'm glad you said it, that it could have yeah. been, you know, previously. 
Yeah, it could be previously. Um, and then the third one is those cysts. And again, you, you don't see those very much in women as they get older um, because the testosterone reduces and they start ovulating regularly. Um, but, you know, if you've had those at any time in your adult life, then potentially, you know, there's a PCOS should be thought about. And then as you get older, really, you want to be looking out for the metabolic risks. So, Wow, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Woohoo. Wow. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, okay, something to add to the list. Great. Awesome. Yeah, I will I, I will know. take a look at this. But you know, it would it would, I'm I'm teasing cuz it would be really wonderful. Um I was just talking to Tiffany about um getting a, some testing done here uh, in the next couple of weeks, maybe month, and that might be something to look at. And basically the testing is for trying to figure out out what's going on to get to the root of all of this. So I'm teasing when I say, oh, great, now another something. But really, I'm kind of excited yeah. because I could cross some things off my list. I could learn more and, and uh, be able to help myself better. Exactly, right? It's, it's so true. It's, a, it's one of those things that, you know, you don't necessarily want to have it. But if you know you have it, you can do something about it. Because it's almost like women who have PCOS are hormonally different. So there is like, things that they have to do that are different from other people. And if you do those things, you can make a much bigger impact in your health. Can you explain that a little bit further? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So because there's like an innate insulin resistance that's there, there's a way of eating that's different for PCOS. And this is the approach that we use in our clinic, which is called, it's based on something called the food insulin demand. And when you eat a food, you know, we all know about the glycemic index and how much like your blood sugar will go up if you eat a certain kind of food. The glycemic index only includes carbohydrates. So it doesn't include protein, it doesn't include fat, it doesn't include anything except carbohydrates. And we've long known that eating low glycemic index has been beneficial for women with PCOS. But what we know is that in PCOS, women don't have high blood sugar unless they actually develop diabetes, but they have high insulin many, many, many years before that. And you'll see the insulin levels will be higher for like, you know, 20 to 30 years before developing diabetes. And the insulin actually is very damaging to to have chronic high insulin. It's problematic in that it deposits lipids in our arteries. So it's it's causing chronic problems for years and years. It makes it really hard to lose weight because insulin is our hormone that we use to store fat and it blocks fat breakdown. Um, It makes us gain weight around our stomach area. And so our insulin insulin is a good thing in that, you know, we want it to go up after we eat to help us store our food, and then we would like it to go down in between our meals because we don't want to be in fat storage mode 24-7, right? But women with PCOS, what we find in our clinic, because we do really detailed testing for insulin resistance, um, we do a test called the glucose tolerance test with insulin. And so it's like the glucose tolerance test where you drink the glucose drink, um, but we measure insulin at every marker for two hours after. And we find that women with PCOS secrete way more insulin when they eat than other women. And their insulin stays higher for a long time after as well. And so now that we know about the insulin, the food insulin demand, which is basically how much our insulin goes up when we eat certain foods. So, and it's a very comprehensive kind of marker because it includes fats, 
proteins and combinations of foods. So there's the researchers at the University of Sydney who developed the glycemic index are now doing a lot of research into this food insulin demand. And so we know how much certain foods uh, raise our insulin. So we suggest um, a program based around eating foods that keep your blood sugar stable but keep your insulin controlled so that your insulin's not going through the roof every time that you're eating because it's very aggravating, of course, to, to PCOS. So that's like the most important thing that we recommend. So an anti-inflammatory diet that really helps to temper insulin, uh, hyperinsulinemia, which is high insulin levels. So that is really important. And I can just sort of give you an overview of what that looks like for most people. We, we often, uh, we do um, customize it, but um, it's based around protein, uh, a good serving of protein, um, a large serving of vegetables, and a, a serving of healthy fats with that meal, and then um, a small amount of carbohydrates. So the amount of carbohydrate we recommend with breakfast tends to be very low, so only berries. For lunchtime, we recommend a small amount of carbohydrates for most women, um, talking about like maybe a half of a cup and then about a cup with dinner. Um, and that actually also helps the cortisol because it keeps um, when you have carbohydrates with your dinner, your liver gets nice and full of glycogen, which helps us keep our blood sugar stable at night and stops your cortisol from coming up at nighttime. That's just a general overview. We always customize it, but that kind of eating, that way of eating um, and avoiding inflammatory foods like gluten and dairy and sugar, that makes a huge difference. Grains? Grains, <laughs> yep. Grains. <laughs> Okay, just making and that sure. helps people sleep better. That helps people sleep yeah. better too, correct? Yeah, it does help you sleep better. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, Tiff, your turn. Go. I know you got lots of questions building. I do, and my brain is like going. Um, okay, so good testing. You talk about uh, glucose tolerance, and you said two or three hours. Is that what you said you do? Yeah, it's a, it's actually a, it's a special test, and a lot of the time, if you're not very specific with the lab, they'll order the wrong one. So it's called glucose tolerance test with insulin. So it has to include insulin, and it's a right. two-hour test. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, and then obviously hormones, you know, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA included in there. Is that a little bit more telling, or not necessarily? Yes, DHEA is a, it's a kind of a special one with PCOS because women with PCOS, uh, some, a certain category of them, um, and this includes myself, have high levels of DHEAS. And this is um, a certain kind of PCOS called adrenal androgen excess. And some women with PCOS don't have that, and some do. It's just sort of a, it's another kind of androgen. So, yeah, that one is very interesting to test. I'm pretty sure my DHEA is pretty low, so that's interesting to note. Mm-hmm. You know, based on and what you were just saying, yeah, because you said yours was uh, high. Yeah, and then the other thing with DHEA is that it lowers with age. So um, some women have high DHEA when they're younger, and then it gets lower. Um, but there is a category of women with PCOS that don't have high DHEA ever. Uh, in fact, it, there's less of them that have high DHEA. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any other telling tests that you like? I mean, so we've got the, the, the glucose tolerance, the special one with insulin, the two-hour test, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA. Anything other that, anything else that helps you 
make that diagnosis, and I, I imagine it gets a little bit harder, it seems, uh, when you have an aging woman, because a lot of it yes. becomes a little bit more tricky, <laughs> it sounds like. Absolutely. It is really tricky. Um, but uh, you can easily see it if you go back with the symptoms and just ask the, how her symptoms were before. Um, like she had those those long cycles. There's very few things that cause that except for PCOS, those really long periods between the cycle. Very rare unless a woman has PCOS. Um, there's other a few other rare hormonal conditions that can cause it, but it's not common. Um, and PCOS is super common. Um, it's it's a, a large amount of women have it. It's thought to be, you know, 10 to 15% of women have PCOS. So it's it's really, wow. really common. Mm-hmm. The other test, um, there's an interesting test called anti-malarian hormone. This is a test that tells us about, um, normally tells us about the number of eggs in a woman's ovary. Um, women with PCOS have more eggs than average in their ovaries, so they can conceive later when they're older. But if you, you also have to know how to read that test because you have to know the normal for, an, for the age. And if it's high for a woman's age, then that's very indicative of PCOS. Um, some of the other tests that you'll see that are, are, are high, HSCRP is an inflammatory t- uh, marker. That is commonly high in PCOS. Um, it's not really specific for PCOS because it can be high in a lot of inflammatory conditions, but it's something to run, you know, just to understand. If in you addition. have that, yeah, if you have that, like, then you know you have a lot of inflammation going on there. Um, there's um, so if, of course you can do the androgens. Unfortunately, you know, like with testosterone and, and uh, free testosterone, androstenedione. Unfortunately, these serum tests are aimed at male levels, so when they're not very accurate mm. when you're looking at picking right. up female levels. Yeah, so um, a lot of the times those look normal, and yet the woman will have like you know, hirsutism and acne and all kinds of signs, you know. So that's why they say it doesn't have to be serum levels high of androgens. You can also have clinical signs that count because these serum levels are not really that accurate. DHEA is accurate, though, uh, for women. Um, And, um, you know, the cholesterol panel often is good to run because you'll see a lot of high cholesterol and PCOS similar to hypothyroid. Um, And then I always run thyroid panels because, it's just rampant. Hashimoto's and um, is rampant in PCOS. A lot, a lot of women have it. And that's that's exactly where we were going with that. Is it mm-hmm. is it more? Uh, you know, my favorite question is always to ask, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is it can you know Hashimoto's or can it trigger PCOS? Obviously, PCOS is there genetically, so is Hashimoto's. Or is it a, a cofactor? Is it very common? between the two, like you said? Yeah, I don't believe that Hashis can trigger PCOS unless the woman already has that in her, you know, makeup. So, for example, if she had Hashis and it wasn't detected and gained, you know, 30 pounds, then it could kind of unmask PCOS. It was already there. But we know that PCOS is there right from the start, and there's genes that they've uh, isolated that are linked uh, to it, Um there's autoimmune markers. There's differences in the brain that they found, too, which is interesting. Um, so it's there. But I think personally that the inflammatory, um, the inflammatory condition of, that PCOS creates allows Hashimoto's to, to happen. Um, Make an appearance, yeah. Yeah, I, I see it all the time, and especially, you know, postpartum. Women with PCOS are extremely 
it's very common for them to develop Hashis at that time compared to other women. Because of all hmm. the hormonal changes. So that, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> interesting. Wow, there's so much I mean, to it. I know, and then there's um, <laughs> it's so interesting. This is why I love I love uh, treating PCOS. It's such an interesting condition. And the other thing is that low progesterone keeps Hashi's like keeps any kind of auto uh, makes any autoimmune condition worse because progesterone is anti-inflammatory, and women with PCOS tend to ovulate less often, so they have less progesterone, you know, over. Uh, any kind of period of time. So normally we, we only get progesterone after we ovulate. So when you're ovulating less, you're getting less periods of time with progesterone there. And that's why the postpartum time, um, that's why I believe that it, it's so common to develop an autoimmune condition because we're going from a condition of very high estrogen and progesterone to basically nothing, like overnight. And then you're sitting like that for a good while and getting kind of stressed by not sleeping. And there's like the perfect place for an autoimmune condition to, to, to crop up. Hmm. Interesting. So is that one of your um, protocols to help with, is that a helpful thing for people to use, you know, uh, bioidentical hormones in treatment for PCOS? Um, I do often use bioidentical progesterone specifically in PCOS, and I'll do that in different situations. So um, I'll do it if the woman first of all, I'll try, I always try going for the root first and I work with the metabolism. I work with insulin resistance and all of those, but sometimes, you know, the, the hormones still are not quite right. And so then I might use, um, either herbal, herbal, we have a tincture dispensary and we make herbal medicines custom for patients. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. So those are <laughs> yeah. just kinds of effects on the hormones and I love doing that. Um, or if that's, you know, if we need to go to the next level, I'll use bioidentical progesterone and, you know, I'll use that in certain patterns to help give the feedback loop a little bit of a boost and get the the periods to come more regularly. Um, Or in pregnancy, we use it a lot because often, you know, low progesterone is is a problem in early pregnancy. And then in some patients, I use it postpartum because if they're really prone, you know, to a flare-up of an autoimmune condition, it can actually be preventative that way. You know, I have to tell you a a funny story just because of the the masking of other symptoms. But recently I had gone off, you know, I take a very good prenatal vitamin that I've taken for, you know, 16 years or whatever. Uh, But because of some uh, different things, you know, I was asked to go off them and I've always had a normal cycle that I can remember. I'm talking 28 days on the nose, you know, in the morning, just really, really regular. So when mm-hmm. I went off the vitamins, I noticed that, like, now granted, I'm also going into perimenopause, so it's not really a, or in perimenopause, it's not really a fair, um, you know, deal. But my periods didn't show up. Like at all, like when I went off the vitamins, my periods oh. like went away. So it, oh, no. you know, it makes me think as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, how many women that are just really diligent with their health and maybe take vitamins on a regular basis may actually be masking some PCOS mm-hmm. symptoms. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah, if their cycles lot. are really. Go ahead. Sorry. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, I see that a lot. Like women who are super healthy, right? Like they could still have PCOS and they're just eating so well that you can't see it. Right. Yeah. That's that's crazy. It is crazy. I, know. <laughs> I mean, I was amazing. I was truly amazed at, you know, I mean, we were looking for a baseline, which we got, but uh, I was amazed at, you know, how beneficial uh, the vitamins were to, you know, to multiple things. And yet you're talking about herbs and mm. stuff. So are there, you know, general things that you can recommend for people with PCOS? Are there nutrient deficiencies that's more common? We talked about hormones. But what about things that they can actually do for your, for themselves? You talked about, you know, eating a certain way, gluten-free, sugar-free, things like that. But anything they can add of, of uh, you know, general recommendation? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So um, it really, I find it's very individual because in my book I have the, there's eight steps to reverse your PCOS, and I have women do a quiz, and they can determine which of the factors they have that are most important, the main factors that are, you know, involved in PCOS. So they might have more inflammation. They might have more of a thyroid issue. They might have more androgen excess or more hormone, uh, like cycle imbalance, pituitary. Um, But there are some general nutrient deficiencies that I see very commonly. One of them is inositol. So we often don't think of inositol as a vitamin, but it is. It's it's related to the B vitamin family. And it's a very important nutrient. The reason it is so important is that it's the second messenger for insulin inside our cells. So it basically allows our cells to respond to insulin. And research has shown that women with PCOS urinate out extra inositol, and they're deficient in inositol. When we, when we investigate the follicles that house the eggs in women with PCOS, they have low levels of myo-inositol in their ovaries. And there's been a lot of research into treating women with PCOS with inositol with amazing results. So um, very consistent, good responses to inositol with respect to ovulation, androgen excess, and insulin sensitivity. So um, I usually recommend um, a product that contains like a 40 to 1 ratio of um, myo to D-chiro inositol for women. So that's kind of a staple that I use a lot. Um, Then I would say, you know, other deficiencies that I see quite commonly would be um, antioxidants, so things like zinc. So I often test zinc levels. Um, Selenium can be a deficiency as well that we'll see. Um, commonly, and uh, that has a big impact on thyroid as well. Um, There's often um, deficiencies in some of the other nutrients like vitamin D. So because vitamin D has such a big impact on um, on our, our insulin hormones, sensitivity yeah. and hormones and everything, you know, when vitamin D is deficient in PCOS, it's actually a really big problem. And then vitamin K2 is another one that I often recommend uh, to go along with the vitamin D, but it also has a big impact on our insulin sensitivity. So those are just a few, but, um, you know, um, definitely those are, those are very common. Huh. And I'm so glad that you said, you know, that you do it in levels. You know, I mm-hmm. love that, meaning that you don't necessarily add bioidentical hormones until all of these other things are back in place and in check, like the thyroid and different things. I love that. I, I, you know, you hear so many stories of people who are diagnosed hypothyroid 
and, you know, they get the whole works at the same time, which really can, you know, I mean, the thyroid can alter hormones, and it's really mm-hmm. sad to see rather than doing one at a time, you know, it's like stop, you know, starting at the top of a, of a pyramid and, mm-hmm. you know, working down. And you said if at that point they still need bioidentical hormones and things like that, then you will add them. That That is, I wish every Gee. doc did that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it makes the most sense, you know, because you do see people, you just see such a big improvement when you work on the insulin resistance for women. So it's a lot of time you don't have to do anything else. Wow. Hmm. Say that again. Repeat that for me. And and I'm going to grab a bullhorn at the same time. Right. (laughs) Say it again. Say it again. Okay. Yeah. True though. Yeah. Because it it has such a big, uh, a big impact and it's so central because the insulin, the high levels of insulin are what cause, you know, the testosterone to be produced by the ovaries, the direct cause of that. So um, the high levels of insulin are what cause the inflammation and they aggravate the thyroid. So it's, it's just such a big piece that it, it, the impact it makes is just enormous. Hmm. <sighs> Got to sit with that for just a moment, Dr. McCullough. We just want to replicate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are too nice. Replicate oh. you and bring you to America. <laughs> yeah. We need to take you on a on a, a world tour. <laughs> I want to go to California, so I'm I'm game. <sighs> now you talk about the importance of you know women with thyroid condition, and of course you also put in there and your and their daughters be screened mm-hmm. for PCOS. So how do we get, uh, Dana and I both have daughters. I have three. Dana wow, okay. has one. So what do we do? How do we, I mean, my gosh, you know, approaching your doctor on this subject can really be daunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention the fact that you can be quick as a whip and smart and well-studied and get in the doctor's office and be like, uh. uh right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. tell us, how do we get this done? So, yeah, so, I mean, I would say, like, what I would focus on with the doctor, and, I mean, in a, it, it depends on how old your daughters are, but, I mean, I can't tell you the number of moms I have bringing their daughters. Um, it's just, it's just astounding, you know, because moms are really vigilant and they're looking for these symptoms. But if you feel concerned about it and your daughter's two years kind of past the period onset, then what I would focus on is bringing up the symptoms of the PCOS to the doctor and um, those, the ones that, that will trigger their, them to think about PCOS, because unfortunately, many doctors don't know very much about it. They still think of it as a fertility condition, um, right. and they don't really think about the other impacts of it. So you could bring up things like the, you know, the acne, the periods are very far apart. Um, you know, uh, there's hair loss, and there's, you know, weight gain around the stomach. Uh, those kinds of things will maybe help the doctor to, to think about PCOS. A lot of times they're quite willing to order an ultrasound in um, younger girls. Unfortunately, like I mentioned before, sometimes those ultrasounds are positive in girls who don't have PCOS, just because right. girls at that age have a lot of eggs in their ovaries. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but now, when, um, when would be that? I mean, is there a magic number of when that change really should have should have passed? Seventeen. I would, I would or say like is about there a magic two number? years. Yeah, two years after their period starts, it should start to be more regular. Like it should be okay. more 
clockwork. So you were, you know? if, if you were at that three-year mark, then those additional eggs would not be so um, confusing. It would be much clearer if someone the was egg, three years past. The eggs would still could still be there, like the follicles making that kind of cystic appearance, but the cycles should be more regular. So that gotcha. if she has that, the irregular cycles and then the cysts, and it's, you know, three years after her period started, and she also has, you know, acne and, you know, something like that. That's a little suspicious, so you definitely want to look. and Now, is the, is the acne telling? Because, of course, there's so many different types looking acne. Is it, and it, for older women, too, is it more cystic yes. looking? Is it more, uh, you know, like there are people that can have almost hivish looking acne. I mean, I know that might sound silly, mm-hmm. but is there, yeah, is there no, more of a telling look to the type of acne? Yes, absolutely. So it's hormonal acne. And my own acne, for example, was very characteristic of PCOS. So it was very red cystic acne on my jawline, on my chin, my jaw. And anywhere that there's um, androgen receptors, it's going to be more common there. So like where men get their beards is where you'll see women with PCOS getting acne. That's what I had. Have fun. Oh, mm-hmm. Again, this it's, is so it's fun. Awful. Yeah. I know. I had it for a long time, you know, and it's it, it took me really changing a lot of things. But it's it's very stressful condition to have when you think about all the things together that it causes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes me want to do the whole ostrich, um, you know, stick my head in the ground and not come out of the house thing. Yeah, that's that's exactly how a lot of women feel about it. And then add hirsutism to that, right? That's super stressful. Definitely. So I'm with you, everybody who's out there. You're not alone. <laughs> no, you're not alone. Not at all. It's it's just so common. Um, I Like, you know, when the, my book released, I was just shocked at the amount of women who were reaching out to me because – Although I knew that there was that many women suffering, I just didn't know. Like, I just hadn't contacted so, so many of them. And it's just so, it makes me feel good that I'm able to help on that level. Interesting. Now, are there different types of PCOS? Yes, there really, really are. So, um, there, the way I view it is, is that there are so many different presentations of PCOS. And the, they do have these uh, typologies. They're called phenotypes. And those are actually based on which of those three criteria you have. And to me, that represents more of the severity of the PCOS. But I think the real different types are. There's definitely that adrenal androgen type. That's a type. And you either have that or you don't. You can have both types of PCOS. Yeah, so it's like if you <laughs> Yeah, so so there's that type and then I consider when I look at the eight steps that are in my book, I consider each of those almost like types that you add together to really understand your PCOS. So some women, for example, are super insulin resistant compared to other women who have PCOS. Some women are mildly insulin resistant. Some women have a lot of inflammation, so they have autoimmune, and then they have, like, joint pain and all kinds of inflammatory symptoms. Some women have a lot of thyroid in their in their case. And um, some women have, you know, a lot of androgen excess in their case. So there's all those different types that are, I think create really a unique presentation for each woman. 
This is so fascinating, uh, truly, because it really we have is. You know, touched on this so much. And then here, you know, you can see, you can hear in my voice that this is, you know, hitting home for me. And so there's got to be a lot of people listening either right now or in the future that are going to be going ding, ding, ding. And so it's very, well, uh, this is very important. It is. And I think very sadly, you know, thyroid disorders kind of remind me of the Alzheimer's pool. And what I mean by that yes. is. There's so, like it's like everything gets thrown into the it's your thyroid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's so much more to you know so many other co-conditions that can be so so many women that don't feel well, they will keep messing with their thyroid medication rather than actually ruling out different types of other conditions. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yeah. When you have something, you tend to always think it's that, right? So, um, and then, then, like, really, doctors don't look for PCOS in women. See, if you're an older woman, like in your 40s, they're not going to even think about PCOS or even considering it because they're like, oh, you've, you're, you know, you don't have infertility. You're not trying to get pregnant. So, why do we care about that? So, that's basically, that's why I think there needs to be more awareness of it because it's just so, so common like 10 to 15% of women have it. That's extremely common. And then we're just like not even thinking about it unless a woman's trying to get pregnant. And that's, it, yet it causes all these other problems with your wellness, like your mental health, your um, metabolism, your, you know, chronic diseases. It's just, it's just a, so far reaching within your health spectrum. Right. And all the women that are in that subclinical hypothyroidism, you know, they're, they're looking and looking and looking further and further and further into the thyroid, and it could actually be related to the PCOS, correct? It, yes, absolutely. Yep. I, I've had a lot of women come to my office not for PCOS, and I'm like, you know what? You've got PCOS. You know, and they, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Lucky you! Reward! Yay! <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry to tell you, but, but at least then, you know, we can work on the right thing, so... Because uh, I can see it really easily after working so closely with it and having it myself. So, yeah. Well, and, and like well, Tiffany said, it, it really is, you know, really quick, Tiff, before you go on. I was just going to no, say no, it no, really no. is one yeah. of those things. Thyroid disease really is one of those things where you, you okay, you finally get diagnosed, properly diagnosed, but then you don't really look for PCOS or SIBO or candida mm-hmm. or gut infection. You just, you just think thyroid and you and you... Just focus here, on your here, medication take this, and take this pill, yeah. and everything will be better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and all the all the thyroid patients that are listening are shaking their head, going, "No, that is not how it works." <laughs> and it's not working, right? It's not working. Yeah, right. no. It's I. I can tell you, I I prescribe desiccated thyroid, and I I have a lot of patients um, because it's it's just there's so many people out there with thyroid problems that are not, you know, you can't just take a pill and feel better. It doesn't work like that. It's just such a, it's a condition that reaches like every cell of your body and affects all the other hormones. And it's, um, it requires very specific treatment. So, and the same, you know, and looking at if there are any other conditions going on because thyroid affects your health in general and can cause other things to be unmasked or can even cause other conditions altogether. Well, and I made a note here because you, you mentioned uh, one of the types 
um, of PCOS is the adrenal androgen type. And so I'm thinking even the, the doctors who do correctly get you to the Hashimoto's and adrenal situation, like you said, may skip right over PCOS because you're beyond your, you know, fertility, you know, years, you're, you're later, you're in your forties or whatever. And they may not even include that. You know, they, they may have correctly gotten your adrenal uh, diagnosis and your thyroid Hashimoto's diagnosis, but they may miss the whole PSA, PCOS um, factor. So mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's very um, you know important to share with people. I'm so glad you wrote a book. I'm so glad you're on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm just like happy to spread the word to anyone who wants to listen. So thanks for listening. It's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to jump into diet because that's something that everybody can do and. Uh, you talk a little bit about the gluten, the sugar. Any other really crazy specifics? You know, you talked about, well, I'll just let you do it. But, but diet, can we, can we just kind of recap on that of what works yeah. for Yeah. So it's really, like, for PCOS, it's really that food insulin demand that we find works really well. And um, I'm involved in a project um, which is uh, run through a group called MyAva. It's a, a, a a research project actually it's very very interesting and we have a group of 12 women and we put them through um, who have PCOS and um, we put them through a lot of testing so we did um, a microbiome test um, genetics testing um, something called metabolome and proteome so we're looking at very very detailed like hundreds of markers in them and um, then we've done a nutritional intervention, which is based on this food insulin demand that I was talking about. So really balancing out, you know, what you're eating at your meal. And, you know, we're seeing really good results with their metabolic markers or hormone markers. You know, we're seeing clear improvements. And we're also doing things like fixing their thyroids if they need to be fixed. Um, but, yeah, that nutritional intervention is really based on that food insulin demand. If you go to my blog, I have a really detailed article um, at – I would uh, love that. Yeah, it's on drfionand.com, and uh, if you go on there and just type in the search bar food insulin demand, you'll see a, a really detailed article with the food insulin demand of all the different foods, and what we do with that is we just combine the foods to be a lower food insulin demand um, and stabilizing to blood sugar, so we always have a central protein, so some kind of a lean chicken or fish or um, eggs, for example. Then we're adding um, a lot of vegetables with every meal, um, and they can be cooked or raw. And um, then a serving of healthy fats, that could be something. And we always recommend if you can get your healthy fat from a food, that's better than getting it from an oil. So things like avocados, nuts or seeds, um, olives or coconut flakes, or then you can also look at some of the healthy oils like olive oil or coconut oil, um, a serving of that. And um, then a small serving of carbohydrate, depending on how insulin resistant the woman is, but most women do need to eat some carbohydrates. So berries um, are the recommended fruit carbohydrate for breakfast, but we also recommend things like root vegetables, um, but, you know, just smaller amounts of that. So um, things like sweet potato or squash are a great carbohydrate for women with PCOS. And um, if women tolerate quinoa, that's also uh, something that we recommend as well. And just, but just having that as the smaller amount and, you know, that's generally the structure. Interesting. That, that is so very uh, diabetic of nature too. <laughs> yeah. That's a really healthy diet for, for so many people to follow, you know, 
So you said drfiona.nd.com, and then you said something else. I apologize because I want to find that. So can you, drfiona.nd.com, and then obviously imagine all your blog is amazing, but what was the specifics on on the food insulin demand type? Yeah, so if you go on there, um, just type in food insulin demand into the search, and uh, you'll find it there. And I have a lot of um, and, articles I published in different magazines that kind of explain the concept. If you don't want all that detail, if that's too much detail, you, you can find some links there to some articles. Like I wrote one for uh, fact-based health that's pretty easy read um, if you kind of want to just get a quick overview. Um, but right. if you just type in food insulin demand, you want like a really detailed article, um, you'll be able to find it. I'm just typing it in now to see. Uh, it comes in. Yeah, the first one. I did right <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> Now, I also wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, you said my Ava. Is there something, do you publish the results of what you find? I would love to, to follow that. Uh, or is that, do you usually talk about that on your blog? Or did you say um, my Ava? Yeah, it's called my Ava. It's called, um, basically, we will be uh, releasing the information when the study is done. It's not going to be done. It's a full year study. So I'm um, a research junkie, so I apologize. Yeah, so I love called, reading uh, research studies, especially new ones. It's really, yeah. I've had a yeah. long chronic uh, illness history since I was not only born but six years old. My first kidney failure was six years old. So I love research. It's just I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. Oh, you will <laughs> so love it. So I would love to follow the results on that. That's amazing. Yeah, if you um, if you go to a site called Open Source Health, so it's basically a technology project where where um, women are going to be able to be empowered by having all of their health information at their fingertips and being able to test every aspect of their health. And so the test group is PCOS. So it'll involve you know um, much much more than just this group of women, but it'll involve um, you know a comprehensive women's health uh, approach and just being empowered with your information. You'll be able to open your lab tests and everything's in one place, share it with your practitioners. Um, so if you go to their website, yeah, they have some information in there about uh, open source health. And um, my Ava is like the platform for it. Okay. Um, okay. Sonia Satbit is the, the CEO and founder, and she's just an amazing woman. She's very, uh, a real go-getter. And she um, is running this, this thing and she's just, Women's health, you know, um, kind of empowering woman who really wants to make a change in the world, and so she's she's really um, done so much. So her, her blog is called Hormone Soup, and if you follow her, oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so she'll be releasing uh, the info. Oh wow! And very Tiffany, cool. it's it's um, opensourcehealth.com. You can see the um, what she's doing right here. It's very very cool. Don't you and worry, then... sister. I'm making notes. <laughs> 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 so I have to ask you, how excited are you about genetics and information? Is this not the coolest thing ever? Like it's, it's so no cool. more guessing. It's I know. So cool. And I did my undergraduate in genetics, so it was like something I was interested oh, in. I never thought right. that I would be doing it in nutrition, but it's you know it's come around to that, which is really cool. So I love it. I'm I'm all into the uh, these genetic analysis that uh, we're doing with open source health. I find it so fascinating. I'm such a nerd. I, I think it's amazing, so. especially for people who who've been guessing for so long. It's 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 no more guessing. 
It's just exactly. very cool. I love it. It's, it's, it's so the future, cool. and it's so cool, and I love it, and it's also very scary to me. So I have, like, you know, I'm a Libra, so I have that, you know, balance scale thing, the you know. Balance. I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah. totally yeah. amazing, and you there is no guesswork. You know, your genetics, Tiffany, I know she just got You don't want genetics. to design your own baby, Dana? No, I don't. I don't want to design my own baby. I just want it to be whatever it pops out to be, right? But, Tiffany, you just got your genetic um, testing done, and I know it's really, very exciting, and I can't wait to talk more about it. And so I think it's really, really neat. And then, you know, you can learn more about yourself, and there is no guessing. And then, of course, all, there's all the other scary stuff that you know that – you know, will come after. So it's hard for me because I think it's really neat. And then I also go, oh, yikes, it's scary. It's difficult. It, is, it can be you scary. You know what it does, though, even when even, – oh, go ahead. No, go oh. ahead, Dr. Fiona, please. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, even if you even if you do have something on there that's scary, like, genetics are only potential. They're not – like, you're not necessarily going to get that thing. And, and if you know you have it, you can do something about it. Um, because there's a lot of people who have a gene and never develop that condition, right? right? So. Yeah. Right. And, That's you know, true. I think for me, looking backwards, I, you know, I think if, if there are critical health issues, uh, it can definitely help you tailor your lifestyle to, to avoid uh, catastrophic things. I, I, I don't see it as a bad thing. I, I see it as it's amazing information that, that can help you head off uh, big problems. I, I don't know. That's what it was too. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I had known, you know, I mean, think about the generations to come. If you know these things are potentially part of the mix, you would be more apt to uh, tailor your lifestyle to avoid that. So, I mean, it's in that perspective, you know, I don't want to design my own baby, but I do (laughs) find as somebody who has had really critical health issues since childhood, and then you see the genetics, you think there's many things that you could have done to avoid those situations and, um, that's the silver lining. You know what I'm saying? That's that's amazing. Well, and you yeah. were testing, you were studying genetics, um, you know, years ago. How? When did you start? When Before was it was popular. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, I don't even want to think about how long ago that was, but um, it was in the '90s. <laughs> see how amazing to see all of this stuff, you know, come to light now. I bet. I bet it's fascinating. Oh, it's so amazing, really. Like, it was it was really, like, just beginning then. And I remember it was, I, w- I was finding it so cool. But when you think about what, what we're doing now, it's, like, on a different level altogether. And what's going to happen in 10 more years, you know? Amazing. Ooh. That's hmm. just crazy. Makes you think. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I have to, Dana had made a a notation of a study, and I'm looking at it, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to ask this question, okay? So there's a study that's mentioned. It says there's a clear correlation between Hashimoto's thyroiditis and PCOS. A 2012 study found that women with PCOS had a 65% increase in TPO antibodies and a 26.6% increase in incidence of goiter. So, in my head, what goes off is ding, 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 ding. In PCOS, is iodine a common deficiency? Um, it's it it depends. I find that 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 can be dependent on where the person lives. Um, mm-hmm. And we do test um, the urinary iodine levels um, with. Uh, one of the labs up here in Canada called RMA Lab. So um, they allow you to test 
selenium and iodine. And I think I think it can be deficient. I don't find endemically here in Toronto that we have a lot of iodine deficiency, but I think um, maybe dependent on where you live, um, I think vegetarians can be deficient in iodine quite frequently. Right. So that's definitely something you'll see. So, yeah, I haven't really no- noted any specific correlation with PCOS there, but I think if it was a deficiency, it would be a problem. Right, uh, right. And it's amazing, you know, uh, how many people don't realize that iodine deficiencies go way beyond the thyroid. You know, there's, you know, mm-hmm. brain, skin, and a lot of the female, you know, the ovaries and, and different things. So it's, I don't know, every time I see that, I think that's really interesting. We always ask yeah. the question, you know, we're not high-dose proponents of iodine, but we, uh, you know, in the in the years that Dan and I have been doing this, it's amazing. We always ask the what we call the super smarties, and you would fall in that category, mm-hmm. <laughs> the question of iodine, you know, because we, we literally have had super smarties on both, you know, uh, both ends End of, of the, the argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> so it's I'm interesting sure. <laughs> when that even has a crack of a door to uh, to ask the question. Yeah, it's a it's a controversial topic, that's for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. An understatement, right? I know. <laughs> oh I know. my goodness. Uh, I I, oh. I haven't used it myself in my practice. Um uh but uh I know some people do feel very well on it and then I've also seen some people with develop some negative outcomes from it as well. So oh, I'm sort of sure. on the fence on it. Yeah. Well, and a lot of them, they don't even realize, like anxiety being a huge one, you know. So people who are very anxious, you know, uh, you know, they take iodine and they come, become significantly more anxious. And it's, yeah. it's kind, of, uh, kind of a bummer to see. So when yeah. you have, I have to ask, if you have someone who has an iodine deficiency, you said you do serum iodine, uh, do you then just uh, uh, alter that with, you know, a 150 microgram multivitamin and a selenium cofactor, mm-hmm. or do you do it with diet? You know, listen, we need to eat more seafood, or or how do you mm-hmm. when you do see an iodine deficiency? Yeah, so I would I would make sure for pregnant women that they're on 250 micrograms, uh, or women who might want to get pregnant because I think it's a problem. Um, so I would use microgram doses and then or food. So if they're vegetarian, um, you know I might recommend some sea vegetables or a multivitamin that has you know 150 or 250 uh, micrograms. So something along those lines would be my my general approach. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love do that. Too. It's so logical, right? It's so logical and and reasonable and the body's able to handle it and that just that just seems so logical. It's amazing how Yeah. I yeah. tend to err on the side of not causing any major problems. So for me that's exactly right. <laughs> Right? Right? Yeah. That's funny. Um, it also says here, I see a note, um, you're a registered acupuncturist, which is very, very cool. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Tinctures, yeah. acupuncture. Girl, I'm moving to Canada. All right. Come on up. We're happy to have you. <laughs> but it's cool. That's the ultimate medicine right there. That's it is. The, the whole picture. Yep. Mm. Yeah, we try to be very, you know, um, like okay. science-based, but also holistic and supportive of the body's natural healing mechanisms. Well, that we love that. so cool, yes. We love we that. We totally love that. <laughs> we do, we do. Um, 
Okay, well, we, we can't keep you forever. We would if we could, but I know we can't. And this has been over-the-top amazing information, especially because you know that there's people out there that are just hearing this for the first time. So thank you so very much for for connecting with us and being on the show and talking about PCOS and thyroid health. And also for, you know, finally, uh, you know, you and I getting to connect. I'm so glad to talk to you. It's been a while, and we have to we have to make sure we have you on, uh, you know, again, and, and that it's not too far away too long from now because uh, this was wonderful oh thank you so much you guys are great hosts it's been so fun and I just like really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and also thanks for you know having me on to to get the info out there to more people and we always love we always love to ask any large events you know new book anything on the horizon for Dr. Fiona well, I'm going to be at the PCOS Challenge Symposium in September, um, so I'll be speaking there and uh, doing some book signing, and um, I just, I, I need a little bit of recovery time from my last book, so that was quite a, quite a process, so, <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do want to write another one and uh, I'm going to get back into doing a lot more blogging as well and some videos so check into my um, my, my blog cool. and join my list and I'll send out info on that awesome and we're going to don't worry we're going to share your book and uh, the websites where everyone can find you so so not to worry thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us today oh absolutely I'm just all smiles here, Dr. Fiona. Uh, this has been fabulous. <laughs> I'm just I'm just smiling and giggly because we've been uh, chatting for years now, it seems like. So have a wonderful day, and thank you so much. We'll have you back. Thank you so much, guys. You have a great day. Okay, you too. bye-bye. Okay, bye. Oh, my gosh. She seems so incredibly sweet on top of it, you know, just down to earth, Sweet. How cool is that? Ugh, goosebumps. I I know, right? <clears throat> there was a lot of information there. I mean, it's... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of information yeah. in the first 25 minutes. It was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's so true, right? I can't she wait to go really to the blog. Okay, amazing. so you can find... She was really amazing. Yeah. And so down to earth. It was like, it felt like you were just talking to... A friend, yeah. you know. I mean, Sitting it was there, just right very next cool. To you on the couch, right? Right. This is this is not a doctor that would would consider her patients. Uh, you know, she wouldn't be a dictator. She'd be a partner. Yeah. That's a yeah. huge piece of information that that has just been so prevalent in the last couple of weeks for me. Your doctor should not be a dictator. They need to be a partner in your healthcare. They have to be willing to listen to your concerns and your symptoms and your suggestions. Right. This is this. You have to respect their education and their position, but in the same respect, they have to listen to you because you're the one that leaves and go home and goes home with this. Oh, right. 100%. It's not a dictatorship, huh? A hundred percent. They have to be willing to kind of learn and grow with you and with the information and with possibilities right? that they may not know of or covered or you know right. because PCOS. Had we not had this show today. You know, I would have gone in, let's just say, into some really fabulous functional medicine doctor. We would have been talking about my adrenals and this and that. And because I'm however old I am in my 40s, we won't say. No, um, you know, they wouldn't 
That's right. They wouldn't have even considered PCOS, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. a good candidate to at least check. So, um, you know. Well, and not only that, but, I mean, you say, for example, you look at a woman. I'm sure that PCOS, of course, now, Dr. Fiona, we have more questions for you, but I'm sure that PCOS still plays a role past fertility. Oh, obviously, definitely. You know what I'm obviously. So it's right. Like what you just said. If you are not in childbearing years, they're not going to consider that. So here these women go off to, you know, to have still these problems. <sighs> right? Mm. Yeah. So mm. you can find all things Dr. McCullough at whitelotusclinic.ca and Dr. Fiona, F-I-O-N-A-N-D.com. I'm excited to, to follow her blog. That's very cool. And then, yeah. of course, this amazing book, uh, and I hope she sends you one, or I hope you get this book, because it's really um, amazing. Eight Steps to Reverse Your PCOS, a proven program to reset your hormones, repair your metabolism, and restore your fertility. Right? Mm. It's on Amazon. Mm. Yep. I'm telling you. No. That's pretty impressive right there in diet. You know, I mean, if you're pre-diabetic, I'm just here to tell you that book could probably offer you quite a bit as well, not necessarily just for PCOS. So that's that's really important too, right? And if you're in Toronto, White Lotus Clinic. Go see her. Integrative <laughs> Medicine. Go, go check her out. And then report back. We want to know all about it. We want to know how amazingly sweet she was in person because she was oh, just definitely. smoking sweet. On the I know. <laughs> totally. Down oh to gosh, earth. Right? We're gonna. We're just gonna. We're gonna go have coffee with her. We're gonna go sit on our couch. We are. Wouldn't that it's be happening. fun? To go mm-hmm. just fly around and and check in with Interview all of our people? guests and so people. <laughs> that be well, great. Yeah, because you know what? That is fun, and I'm so glad that you that you hit on that. You know, because I really think that people obviously they have an energy exchange with their practitioners. Mm-hmm. When you actually get to see, touch, and feel somebody, and and get a, a, a taste their energy. On, the person, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. They, they're exactly right. That would just be very cool for the future, okay. Mama. We That's need to right. do that. It's going on the vision board. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the vision board. It's happening. Can the vision board be in my head? <laughs> Well, it can since you're really busy and all that. Can you imagine you ever getting to a vision board? <laughs> oh, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> Oh, honey, that's just so cute. I'll do it for you. <laughs> you are my, oh my vision. You just kind of oh. grab my hand and drag me along. You're like, come on, let's go. Let's do this. I'm your puppy. We're going on the we're going on the big scary rides too. Watch out. <laughs> oh my uh. god. Okay, we're going to wrap up for all you out there. As always, a very big thank you to our listeners. And if you get a free moment and you love our shows, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you've missed any of the shows, you can always check them out. We're on, like I said, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can listen to them later, not always live. It's fun to be in your car or jogging along and listening to, you know, some yappy girls yapping. So check us out. Yappy girls yapping and laughing, right? It's fun Mm -hmm. because this information can be really overwhelming. So a giggle every now and again is a good thing, and you'd be surprised how how laughter can be so very healing. Of course, be sure to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Amazing, wonderful, clean, preservative, and synthetic-free skin care. And, of course, our bestseller, Brain Awake Inhaler, helps with memory, cognition, fatigue, headaches even, uh, but uh, designed specifically 
uh, by Dana and I with essential oils to help ease thyroid symptoms. So give it a take a look. Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. And make sure to follow us on uh, all the social media platforms and check out the Facebook group, Hoshies and Grays. You type that in, it'll pop right up. We share the uh, upcoming guests and all kinds of information, and you can ask questions in the group as well. So check that out. Absolutely. And, of course, most importantly, Dana, and I always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Your body talks to you. You have to listen. It's really important There's lots of information there, and it's very specific to you. So make sure to always listen uh, and be mindful of what's telling you. Because it's pretty smart, right? It's pretty smart, and it's, it's specific just to you. Nobody else can tell you what you are feeling. When you eat something, when you do this, when you do that, nobody else can tell you that. That is unique information that is specific to you, and you're given that recorder, diagnostician, it's specific to you. You've got to listen to it. You've got to tune out other people sometimes and listen to that, to listen Intuition. to that voice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's critical. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation, Gringatika. And Tiffany Milanich. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Next week, Dr. Keisha Ewers, it's going to be a great show, trauma and uh, autoimmune. Childhood. Join us. Yeah, and child- Thanks. Lots. Bye. Have a wonderful week. Bye.